welcome to episode 60 of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. This week, we're talking about how a few different things are made and created. Maybe you've been busy making things at home. Now we're all home from school. So I thought we'd do stuff about making things. Our first question is about something you're very unlikely to have made yourself at home. But you never know. It's about dictionaries and how they're made. And it comes from Nihal. Over to Nihal. Hi, my name's Nihal. And... I'm seven years old and I live in Witten in London. And my question is, how do people write dictionaries? Hi Nahal, thanks for your brilliant question. That's a very interesting one. I couldn't really answer it that well myself, so I've got you an expert. To answer it for you, here is Catherine Sangster, who is Head of Pronunciations at the Oxford English Dictionary. She's the one that writes the bits of the dictionary that tell you how to say the word you're looking up, how to pronounce it. Over to Catherine. Hi Nihal, I'm really glad you asked this question about how dictionaries are made. My name is Catherine and I'm one of a large team of people who work on the Oxford English Dictionary, or OED for short. Our dictionary is really big, it has over half a million words. We explain what each word means and where it comes from, all its different spellings and the right way to say it out loud. That part is my job. There are special symbols which explain the pronunciation and you can also listen to a voice say the word. Each word is also illustrated with a set of quotations, including the earliest possible example we can find. So when we work on the dictionary, there are two main jobs. One is to find new words that people are using that we want to add and to create new entries in the dictionary for all of those words. We need to make sure we understand exactly how people are using it so that we can define it. Sometimes it might be a new meaning of an existing word, or it could be a word that English has borrowed from another language, or sometimes it's an entirely new word that somebody has made up. We find these by doing a lot of reading, we use online databases, and we ask the public. And if you've noticed a new word that we haven't got in the OED, you can send it in for us to consider. My part of that process is to research how the word is pronounced in English and to make sure the written and the spoken pronunciation that we give are exactly right. The other job, if you're not starting your dictionary from scratch, is revising it, which means going back and updating the words. So the OED started 150 years ago, and updating the whole thing is a really gradual process. We make sure each definition is up to date, we see whether the word is even still being used, we look for new evidence, and I have to make sure the pronunciation is still true, because sometimes the way that we say words changes over time. I hope that answers your question, Nihal. Thank you for asking it. Thanks so much, Catherine, for the excellent answer. Now we all know how dictionaries are made. That's excellent. I hope it answers your question, Nihal. Now our next question is about something that's made just in London, England. It's something very interesting we have on the buildings of the streets in our capital city. Let's find out about them now with a question from George. Hi, George. Hello, I'm George. I'm 11 years old and I live in London. I like football and playing on my PlayStation. And my question is, how is it decided who gets blue plaques? Hi, George. Thanks for your excellent question. Well, for anyone listening who doesn't know what a blue plaque is, in London, lots of buildings have blue plaques on them where interesting people from the past have lived. 
blue plaques are round blue signs stuck on the side of buildings. They say the name of the person who once lived in the building on them and the years they lived or worked in the building. So you'll find them for all kinds of people from Jimi Hendrix to Samuel Johnson who wrote one of the first dictionaries. We might talk about him in another episode. The blue plaques idea started in 1866. It was the invention of a politician called William Ewart. E-W-A-R-T. To be honest, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name, but I think it's Ewart or Ewart. William Ewart. You can tell me how to pronounce that, maybe, if you know. He wanted to mark the homes and workplaces of famous people. Lots of other places in the world have now copied his idea, but his blue plaques were the very first in the world. There are now over 900 blue plaques on all kinds of buildings across the city. The whole idea is run by an organisation called English Heritage, although other people have organised it over the years. How they decide about a new blue plaque is they listen to suggestions sent in by members of the public. So if you want, you, George, can suggest someone. The way they like to hear ideas best is by email. So if you have a good idea about an interesting person who lived in a building you know about that doesn't have a blue plaque, you can email plaques at english-heritage.org.uk and tell them about your idea. Then they'll think about it. It might be someone's already sent in the idea and they're considering it, or the idea has been thought about and decided against, in which case they'll let you know. If they decided against it, you have to wait 10 years before they can think about that person again. There are a couple of rules, like the person must have made an outstanding contribution to human happiness or welfare, they must have lived or worked in that building for a while, an important time in their life, and they can't have another plaque on another building. You've got to be able to see the building from a road, and you can't usually suggest a church, school or theatre. There can only be one plaque per building. The blue plaque experts meet three times a year to decide who to give plaques to next. Once they've decided, it takes a little while to put them up because they need to get permission of the owner of the building. About 12 go up a year. The very first was for Lord Byron in the place he was born in Cavendish Square. But unfortunately, that house was knocked down. The oldest one you can still see was for Napoleon in King Street, St. James. Did you know each blue plaque is made by hand by just two people? They're called Frank and Sue Ashworth and they live in Cornwall and they make all the blue plaques. Each one is a circle, 19 inches across, and they fire them in the kiln twice so they take a few months to make. The whole thing from going through proposals to researching new ideas, making the plaques and putting them up is all funded by donation. Did you know only 14% celebrate women? Which of course isn't enough. So get sending in your ideas of amazing women from the past who deserve blue plaques. I hope that answers your question, George. And now for something our bodies make without us even noticing. Here's a good question from Elijah. Over to Elijah. I'm Ollie, I'm Elijah and I'm seven years old. And I like karate, skateboarding and playing with my friends. And my question is... How do our bodies make earwax? Thanks, Elijah, for your excellent question. Well, our ears have little parts inside them called glands that make earwax. It's made in the middle of your ear, in these little glands, and you can't see them making it because they're right inside your ear. But slowly the earwax moves through your ear to the opening of your ear where you can sometimes feel it and see it. Then it falls out or you can get it out yourself. It's good because it moisturises your ears so they don't get dry 
It stops them getting infected and it also cleans out dust and dirt. The dust goes into the earwax and then travels out of your ears. You don't need to clean them. As long as you wash your hair regularly, that's enough to keep your ears clean. Did you know the scientific name for earwax is cerumen? C-E-R-U-M-E-N. There are two types. Didn't know that. Wet and dry. Apparently people from East Asia are more likely to have dry earwax. I hope that answers your question, Elijah. Right, that's our three questions. We've had fun learning about dictionaries. Why not dig one out if you have one at home and learn a new word? We've learned about blue plaques. Perhaps you want to think of an amazing woman from the past. Find out a place she lived or worked and nominate her for a new blue plaque. And well, you don't need to think about making earwax as your ears have got that one covered. A big thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and Audio Networks for all the lovely incidental music we use this week. Wishing you all a very lovely week. If you have a question you would like answered, just ask an adult to borrow their smartphone and record yourself saying your name, your age, a bit about yourself and email it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk and please do tell all your friends about the podcast to grow the audience to help me keep making making the podcast. It's very important if you like the podcast to tell lots of people about it. Everyone at your school, tell your teachers, tell anyone you can think of. So I need to build it up. Thank you so much. Wishing you a great week. Thank you and goodbye. (laughs) 